I like to make music that you might not get today, but tomorrow it'll be like, okay, I got it. Art to a lot of people is, you know, you got watercolor by numbers. It's like, oh, it looks like something, so it's art. I had to kind of kick that out to the curb and bring in something that is important with art, which is to put your whole self into it. And when you put yourself into it, that's the truth. The truth of the matter is that this is encapsulating the 30 odd years I've been out on the road DJing, playing warehouse parties, playing clubs. Of course, I had to use that as a reference, you know, in the same way of the sounds that I'm using as a reference. Because how I use the sounds refer to what people would expect in the sense of going to see a DJ play. If you could spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. What up, what up, beautiful people, and welcome back to another powerful episode of Are We On Air? This week's guest is none other than the Detroit techno legend that is Carl Craig. Carl and I got together a good couple of weeks ago at his incredible immersive exhibition slash installation at the Museum of Contemporary Arts in downtown Los Angeles, a.k.a. MoCA. Carl is a legend in his own right, a pioneer and advocate of Detroit and its techno roots. And we did the interview while we got a private tour by the man himself and covered everything from the story behind the exhibition, his music, his life on the road, his style, his musical influences and the power of one's own creativity, which lies within us all. What an honor this was to get a full 30 minutes with the man himself giving us a personal tour. And a big thank you to our friends at Mocha for the VIP treatment. Now, let's get the party started and give me more bounce to the outs. One simple sound. multi-channels, multiple speakers, and uh, in each corner there are uh, lights as well as three-way speaker, three-way systems on each side, not not three-way speaker by itself, but it's multiple speakers that make up the system, and if you can tell on the left side of the speaker is only the sound with the delay in it. But if we go to the speaker on the other side of the wall, it's only the sound with a reverb on it. So depending on where you stand in the room is where you get the effect. And from the center, you can hear the dry signal itself. 
Yeah, so there's there's sounds that are not only coming from the speakers, but they're coming from the ceiling and the area that is the focus area, which is where you get everything at one time. You know, that's what the cross. Yeah, so the whole composition is electronic. Um, it's a multi-channel composition. One would you know in the music world you call them stems, but the stems are sent to each speaker in a similar way as what someone would do with Atmos or with 5.1 or 7.1 or, or something. On this sequence, the sub-bass, this is called the dub sequence because it has a dubby bass line. It's all sub. The next time it goes around, it'll have the techno sequence, which is considered more of a techno bass line. And that's the one that repeats the most. Every time it repeats, the positioning changes. There are something, some things that change to make it uh, unique. And it's, it's the experience that, that you're gonna get each time. Enjoy. You know, so, I mean, people get the rave <laughs> at lunchtime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And it's it's a visceral experience. Yes. I mean, I got the first experience on Saturday, which was, of course, lots of people. It was an opening, so a different energy of than actually coming now, for instance. Right. It's a different experience. But, especially in the center on the cross, I mean, it's a full body experience. Yes. I love what he did with the lighting as well. That goes hand in hand. Yeah, because the, the original piece was conceived at uh, Dia Beacon with using it in this space because the space is smaller but the positioning of sounds is tuned for this space you know because with with dia with beacon we're dealing with you know eight second reverb wow. you know and all concrete and this space the reverb is a lot less and the ceilings are wood so it's not going to it's not going to reverberate in in the same way as what what was happening at, at a beacon so there's certain things that had to hit at certain volumes for it to even cut through to hit you at that sweet spot that was meant to be 2020 right 2020 is when it debuted and then it had to um shut down for the pandemic and then it opened back up again i think in august of 2020 and has stayed on for a year which was i mean for me that's great yeah because it was only supposed to be for three months and it turned out to you know take over for a year more than a year a year and a quarter so that i mean that's great but is it meant to tour the different locations or this was just dear beacon and then the mocha reached out hey let's do it yes one. exactly so there was discussion about whether it would tour or could tour but my first goal was to make it something that worked at beacon and that felt right there you know so when putting a piece together and this is this is my you know my maiden <laughs> my maiden voyage my maiden yeah. piece i mean i come from making records that can be very complex or very simple i've made records with legendary jazz musicians i've made record with orchestra um i've done remixes for he she anybody yeah, yeah. You know, i've done all this stuff. tiffany haddish no <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean if she comes to detroit because i because when she came and I, i'm like you know okay here's moody man meet moody man you know <laughs> yeah moody man is because i know i know kenny and know 
what exactly to do with her. And she may end up on a Moody Man record of just course. because of that. So, <laughs> so I knew exactly, like, hey, you know, there's came, here's Felix the house cat, you know. So, yeah, I saw, saw Felix there. Yeah, Felix was there. Kenny Larkin was there yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, had, uh, Kenny play at our Are We On Air kiosk. We did one during Oscars, okay. and Moody was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was, oh, I gotta come see him play again two yes. weeks later. Yes. And yeah, you with your little tambourine, which I thought was a very nice <laughs> touch. Now my instrument, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's my instrument. So. But how did you, what was the, where did this idea come from, or was it Dia reached out to you and you, let's put something together? Or I think it's the 40 years of techno now ish. Yeah. Um, and I love how the genre or the culture is now elevated to a point it's in museums and in galleries. Um, another show that was just at Moment in Frankfurt was Sven Fate's museum yeah. exhibition. Okay. Uh, here, I love how it's, it's not part of the establishment, but it's, it got the respect from establishments. Let's put that sure, way. sure. Um, Dia, they, uh, they reached out. So Kelly Kivlin uh, reached out to me initially because they wanted to do something on site at Dia that was like a festival. And, you know, with my experience with doing a DMF and with movement, they came to me and that was great. But I wasn't really so interested in doing a festival. So it morphed into me doing a piece, which to me says a lot more for my for what I've done. You know, I like to make music that you might not get today, but tomorrow it'll be like okay i got it you know it was like that for me like with with around the world in a day prince's album the first time i heard it, it was like what the hell is this crap you know and then yeah. then after listening a few more times it's like i'm singing raspberry beret <laughs> and you know all that stuff so During this segment, the uh, louvers on the roof come open to introduce ah. this natural light. Panorama, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's the whole thing about the concept of the, of the piece was when we were discussing what I would do, um, you know, of course I have friends that do graphics and I have friends that do all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, and the, the concept was, you know, should I bring in somebody to collaborate with? And I kind of felt around, do I want to do it as like a, a, a photography piece? Do I want to do, and it just, it just didn't make any sense. It made sense for me to do this. With the bones of the, of the space. Yeah, to utilize the space without thinking about it in a typical sense of what people think is art. You know, because coming from Detroit, art to a lot of people is, you know, you got a watercolor by numbers, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it looks like something, so it's art. That's, that's the Detroit 
way of, of thinking, and that's a very blue-collar way of thinking, a union town way of thinking, and that happens all over the United States, so not just Detroit. So I had to kind of kick that Detroit angle out to the curb and bring in, you know, something that to me is important with art, which is to put your whole self into it. And when you put yourself into it, that's the truth. So the truth of the matter is that this is, you know, encapsulating the 30 odd years I've been out on the road DJing, you know, so playing warehouse parties, playing clubs, Panorama Bar, you know, because that was that was when I first got that vibe. I think I was playing Nice as Jaguar and, you know, when it breaks down, you turn the lights down and then when it comes back in, the, the shades open up and it's, it was like, uh, yeah. it was amazing to me. And uh, of course I had to use that as a reference, you know, in the same way of the sounds that I'm using as a reference, in the same way, because how I use the sounds refer to, uh, in the first part, in the party part, refer to how, what people would expect in the sense of going to see a DJ play. So, you know, you have the techno sound, you have a rhythm that, that's pretty consistent, that has a, a bit of shuffle to it, it's some 303 that's coming in now, you know, then it, then later there's what I call the techno strings, which, you know, there's this techno string part that pops up, which is reference to Detroit techno uh, string thing. And then at the end, the snare roll. And I don't play snare rolls, but it's become such a, a norm lexicon to build up the energy. And it's something that people have gotten so used to and to expect that you know I threw it in there to you know to, to serve as a tool but also I kind of put it in there as a little tongue-in-cheek thing you know like yeah you know I don't I know how this works rolls, but here's <laughs> but the kind of roll. to show the the, the spectrum of yes. what techno is and, yes. and these elements I think that's the key yeah do you want people to come and dance in there or do you want them to actually sit in and feel it maybe my next piece I'll put chairs in <laughs> <laughs> here's some cushion. Yeah, here, here, you know, uh, put a sitar out and go for it or whatever. But uh, yeah, this is LA, so we'll get all like mystical and vibey and only show it in LA and Ibiza. And that'll yes. be, you know, I really hope that, yeah, we, we can find places like this in, in Dia. My objective is not to do this uh, in places where clubs are the norm. So when the piece was first coming into fruition, I had the opportunity to do it at Chelsea, Dia Chelsea. And that made zero sense to me because there's already clubs 
in, in uh, Manhattan, you know, so you can go to meatpacking, you can go to Brooklyn, you can go, you know, my, my whole history of clubbing in New York has been in Manhattan, and so it's great that, I mean, it's, it's yeah. great, you know, it's great because I didn't, I guess at the door they're giving everybody earplugs, so that's, that's great because we don't have to worry about turning the volume down, even though I think we could we could use it and lower it and people would get the idea, but they would still use earplugs, so why not keep it at the level yeah, that, that, that it's intended, yeah. yes. Um, but What a wholesome moment, actually. That's I mean, that's, that's great. It's like a school trip or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they teach all... Teach them young, teach them young. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's great. Um, so the next place, like here in LA, in Tokyo, Little Tokyo, where are the clubs around here? Yeah. Barely any bars, probably. Yeah. So, and then the whole movement of uh, clubbing here, having parties is something that is, you know, warehouse parties that aren't every week, or raves, or festivals, or, you know, probably people are doing house parties in the hills or something, you know? That's, so, the, that's the nightlife culture here, right? Yeah. It's like between those two. It's not so. I mean, the city's infrastructure is, plays a big role in that. Right. Uh, this is the techno strings part. <laughs> let's, okay. Yeah, let's have a little. It builds up. You don't have any drums, you just have the bass, the strings, the, the voice that stays repetitive. And then it launches into, you know, the, the white noise to give you that impact. Now the lights are strobing and again, it gives you that other feeling of, of uh, you know, what what you would get at a warehouse party or you would get at a club is strobe, strobe lights. And I love strobe lights. Actually, for me, the best part is if you have one strobe and it's dark and then you hit the strobe. That's all you need. That's all you need. And smoke. then the music's just pounding, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's the thing that is my world, you yeah. know, from when I started doing this. Well, I guess we can actually jump into that where it all started with your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist? I always tell the story about the first time I played a record. And I guess it was 39 years ago, because I just saw the Egyptian Lover post it, <laughs> that Egypt, Egypt came out 39 years ago. Uh, I used to carry records everywhere. I went down for a family reunion in Georgia, and the guys who were DJing, and I was real shy, a cousin's husband asked, yeah, he, he's got some records, why don't you let him play? So they're like, oh, okay, come on, little, little man, come on, play. <laughs> And I put Egypt, Egypt on, and the whole room blew up. Egyptian lava. Everybody went crazy. Egyptian 
I'm surprised by it, and these DJs are surprised by it. And what they didn't understand or they didn't know was that that was the hottest record in Detroit at the time. And most of us were from Detroit in Georgia. So they never heard the record before in Georgia. These DJs never heard it. And they weren't really into craft work or any of that kind of stuff. They were playing, you know, more like uh, R&B disco stuff and, you know, party music, but not electronic party music. So they didn't know. So that was the first first time that I got a taste of, you know, playing to an audience. And I asked, can I put on another track? And they're like, yeah, go on ahead. The second track flopped. So now the, now the uh, window's opened again. All right. Now the skylight opened again. And you get the natural light. I mean, it's, for me, also at Panorama Bar, it's such an iconic yeah. thing, what you can do with natural light just by opening up the shades. Exactly. So the second song, it was almost like in those old Ville situations where they take the long cane and they pull you by the neck, you know. So, so number one, the first track was I was on top of the world, and the second track I was. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I'm out. See ya. And then they took over, but it was it was a great experience. This part that is going into now is the after party segment. So we're doing party and after party. Party and after party. So you can see actually through the glass, the X is, is highlighted by the center section. Mm -hmm. And objective of it is that, you know, you got glimpses of where the, where the sweet spot was, but now you're led directly to it with visual, you know. So before it was all um, auditory, it was all, you're hearing it, and you're looking for it. But now it actually says, this is where you're supposed to be. And then now that I got you where you're supposed to be, now you're gonna hear my real experience. You know, the after party, which is, I've been banging the, banging the party, and then I go back to the hotel, gotta wait for a flight. You know, I'm not going to a typical, what people think is an after party, like, okay, we're gonna go to, you know, a bar, or we're gonna go to somebody's house and we're gonna play music and all that. No, my after party is sitting in a hotel room, and my ears ringing from the buzz of, of the party and the loud sound system and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. Now this, this is great and I like this. And at DIA, it was, it was uh, the same way. There was a train that went by. And it almost fits with the timing of the train when it comes by, but it gets off. So you'll get the impact of these outside noises that- In real life, like in any real, club, yeah. That are in real life, yeah. yeah. And I like how it plays with, with my piece because during the party, if the beat and everything in the low end is happening, then you probably won't hear it. But when it gets quiet, or you know, at this point where I consider this angst because I'm sitting in a hotel, you know, I've been in European cities where there's nothing on TV except for in English except for CNN, you know, and you're just watching CNN and they're repeating the same thing every 30 minutes, you know, and it's just like goddamn, you try to sleep and then. You know, you got to catch a flight, and you're not, you're not sure if you're going to be able to hear the next day, and how long will this last? I got another party to do. It's going to compound it, you know, because sometimes I was doing four gigs in the weekend. Yeah, you know, in four different countries. You know, some days I do two gigs in two different countries on one day, you know? I ask conductors and classical uh, musicians, because they travel just as much, pretty much. 
does it have an effect on the sound? Like, let's say the strings and the violin. How does the traveling affect your sound? Does it affect your sound? Well, the difference between what happens with classical musicians or, or conductors and DJs is that, you know, a conductor is going to know where he's going to be two years in advance. DJs don't know where they're going to be next month, you know? <laughs> Because we're picking up gigs and yeah. stuff. There's always this kind of stuff. So when when I work with like Francesco Tristano, the the virtuoso pianist, you know, he knows on the classical side he's going to be in Luxembourg, you know, for a week here. He's going to be uh, in Barcelona for a week there. He's going to be in Berlin uh, for a week there. You know, so he knows in the setup and he knows exactly what's happening. And yeah, okay, I might know where I'm going to be this summer, but there's always another gig that comes up. And there's always another one. So there are things that are being fit in. And I would think that a conductor has a limited experience in comparison to what DJs have. You know, I mean, we're like pilots, I guess, you know, <laughs> musical pilots. You know, where live on a plane, yeah. Just to go, then we hop on another plane and we go on and do it. And this this part is really my favorite part. Yeah, that's the moment when I mentioned beginning, I was standing on the left corner. Okay. That was the angst. I guess I connected with the angst moment. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this this part, the angst, low end sounds every time, every cycle they change. So I have something that's called the uh, mentasm part because it uses a sound that sounds like it's from mentasm, Joy Belcher mentasm. Instead of it being where I was like, wah, wah, and every time it changed, so I have maybe five or six versions of that. I have these whispers that come at from various speakers that move around. It could come from the top, it could come from the actual speakers themselves, and uh, those whispers are tweets that I had tweeted years ago because I used to really go hard on tweeting and stuff. And so I, I took tweets and put it in a piece. Oh, wow, interesting. I don't know if you saw it at the, on Saturday when the people first walked into the space and the cross was, that was the moment with the cross, how they all gathered around yes. in a circle and started dancing. I mean, take pictures as well, but right. they were like trying to do their own performance. Yes. In, within this, how, it's amazing how just the cross, a spotlight on the cross yeah. created that experience but that wasn't the intent no I, I felt that <laughs> I was like I'm sure this is not what it is but I mean it was also an event and people had intoxicated but that wasn't the, the intent but that's what it became I didn't realize that until after the piece debuted when I trial did all the trials and everything and getting the piece together it never crossed my mind that people would stand there and Take it, take one for the gram, you know, <laughs> until I started seeing people posting it on Instagram. Yeah. And, you know, you got people doing interpretive dance and you have people just standing there. And, and I realized what organically happened with the piece was it gave people the chance to feel like they're a star. 
that they're in the spotlight, yeah, yeah. you know? Because usually the performer, the DJ is in the spotlight, you know? The dancers usually aren't in the spotlight, they're part of the lights. But that gave them the opportunity to actually be in the stage, spotlight. Yeah, yeah it, it became their stage. So I'm, I'm with it, you know, the <laughs> same way the fire trucks go exactly. past, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm with it, I'm totally Great. with it. I know it's very difficult, but who is Carl Craig in three tracks? <laughs> oh my gosh. In three tracks, wow. Is that more bounce to the ounce? epitome of synthesized funk where the drums are a loop the bass is just low-end moguish sound I'm a guitar player so there's some guitar in there and then vocoder and that's it the simplicity of the funk is is that so some more bounce to the ounce When I met uh, Tina and Chris from Tom Tom Club, they said that Genius of Love was them trying to make more, more bounce to the ounce. And that, yeah, my mom. been a huge influence on me over the span of 40 years. Uh, it's More Fun to Compute is another track that, it, you know, I would say is me. More Fun to Compute are numbers, but that Computer World album. After Tina had said that to me about Genius Love, then the next time I heard It's More Fun to Compute, I thought like, hold on. This is kind of like more bounce to the house. <laughs> it's like, Hmm, okay, this is, this is, yeah, I wonder. So I kind of, you know, I kind of did a little digging just to put the timelines together. And it's possible because 
what a lot of A&R did, and you know, they were on Warner in the U.S. That album was on Warner, Warner in the U.S. More Bounce uh, was on Warner in the U.S. So it's very possible that they got a copy of that. And they were like, holy shit, you know, let's make a track that sounds like it's possible. I don't know. And I only, I only met Ralph uh, for the first time last year, so I didn't ask him. Like, you know, maybe maybe when I go to Dusseldorf, we'll eat some Turkish food or something. And I'll be like, hey, Ralph, you know, more bounce to the ounce and it's more fun to compute. You guys. It's more fun to compute. It's more fun to compute. Dying to have him on the show, so he—he's—he's he's quite German, <laughs> and you know, so like with Mark and Moritz from Basic Channel, you know, those guys can be very straight, and Moritz, you know, is very open but very, you know, very straight in a German way in his in his way, but very warm person, and I didn't feel that, that Ralph is cold, but he just, you know, first time meeting, and he's he's there, you know, and, and he surprised me because he says, hey, you do symphonic stuff, right? So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, somebody's been giving you some good news, <laughs> or you've been listening, one of the yeah. two, but he was cool, he was cool, so a dream for all of us of always to go to Clean Clang and see you know, what Kling Klang uh, is. Uh, well, most of us want to see what Kling Klang was for Computer World, because that, that was the hood record. That was the record that we, we all... Hood record, I like that. Yeah, that was the hood record. The third track that would say that would be the epitome of Carl Craig. Could be also one of your tracks. Yeah, but, you know, I go by inspiration. Yes, yes, yeah. So, you know what? It would have to be... Because I gotta put Rick in there. I gotta put Rick James in there. So. I love Rick James. So. <laughs> standing on the top, you know, that one, it always gets me, you know, or dance with me, you know, that fast funk that he did. You know, I think that funk was around, it was probably around 125 or something. It was kind of fast for, for funk and RB. I love George Clinton and all that. So, you know, One Nation Under the Roof. So I can't get around it. So 
chance I wait out of our constriction. Call the beat freaking up and down the hangar alleyway. With a groove I only got, we shall all be moved. Ready or not, yeah. And then on the softer side, of course, with uh, E2E4 from Mamogachi, that's been uh, kind of a template for me uh, musically, because there's some things about the chords that I always go back to. What's also great about Beacon is that when you go to Beacon, there's nowhere else to go. So you're, you're there. Gonna be in Beacon, yeah. So with this, because this is the only piece, you know, hopefully if you don't stay a cycle, then you'll come back and then you'll stay a cycle or you stay three cycles. I want people, like I said, I want people to take lunch breaks, come, experience, and go back to work, you know. With the bounce in this thing. With the bounce. <laughs> with the bounce, yeah. More bounce to the ounce. That's right. You've got style. There's something about Detroit artists. They have so much style. What is it? Why is it? And what are your design references? And I'm not just speaking sonically. I mean... Yeah, we're, we're kind of fashion whores, a lot of us. You know, I watched this thing, or I watched it or read it. It was about when Muddy Waters first came to the UK. Muddy Waters made Manish Boy. He made all these rootsy blues records and you know Mick Jagger and Charlie Watts and uh, the guys from Pink Floyd and all those guys they were really into this Muddy Waters music and their imaginations going wild you know Muddy Waters is you know on the farm and he's got all mud on him and you know he's got a little <laughs> little piece of hay that he's got in his teeth and they only had a record as a reference. And they only had a record as a reference. And when he came to London to play, <laughs> he came in a tuxedo with an ascot, playing a Telecaster instead of playing an acoustic guitar, and started doing, you know, he was doing this electric blues. And they hated it because they thought Muddy Waters was supposed to be this poor black man, not this you know, locked-in fashion cat that's pushing the boundaries and stuff. They hated him. And, you know, of course he listened and then he came back the next time dressed in closer to the way that they thought that he was supposed to be dressed. He came in, you know, like coveralls and boots and stuff like that. So he took that as a... Oh. Took it and then he came back that way. And then when he came back, they had all started following the electric muddy waters. So... It got flipped on him, so then he could come as himself, 
you know, later on and stuff. But that's what started the whole electric blues thing that happened in, in the UK was when Muddy Waters came that first time when they hated him. With techno, there's, and with hip hop, with, with styles like that, there's always this idea that, you know, what's hip hop and what's not hip hop, or techno was supposed to be underground resistance you know if you're from detroit you should wear a mask and you should be you know a hoodie black hoodie and you know you should look like you're a musical terrorist and this is what spawned a lot of what you see in germany with with their movement and trezor and all that was that underground resistance came you know and that became like the techno look and and then when mark and moritz kind of flipped it to the Berlin techno look on their side. It was when they came to the U.S. and got Timberlands and Carhartt, uh, tan Carhartt clothes. And, you know, that became another segment. That was the hard wax Berlin, you know, techno look. So, but in the same way that hip hop started out with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five wearing leather jackets with tassels on them and cowboy boots. And, you know, they were making character that is not what people would think is hip-hop you know they think hip-hop is you're supposed to be a b-boy and you gotta wear timberlands and you know you gotta look like the next level from run dmc you know and then then it, it goes down so i've always been into clothing um, my brother is nine years older than me and he used to wear like that was at the time where they made you know, those two-tone shirts that look like motorcycle jackets, and you open it up, and it's, you know, like print. Michael Jackson was wearing it on the cover of Thriller. There's been a whole hoopla of whether Michael Jackson's wearing a hoodie, but he's not. He's wearing <laughs> an asymmetrical biker jacket yeah. shirt, you know, with a zipper on it. This is the part where the ceiling comes open. Yeah. Yeah, could take a quick peek when I go ceiling closes then it's just the lights yeah yeah i love the way we're doing we're weaving in and out you know yeah uh, yeah, yeah 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 we have an opportunity to have more of a conversation yes. you know but with clothing um yeah so when wow. i was 10 years old 11 years old i used to run up to the corner store in the hood and buy a GQ magazine, you know? Right. And GQ, they'd only have two copies. And I'd have to get one. And you know, you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you don't have a lot of money, and it might have been five bucks or something. <laughs> My allowance might have been five bucks, who knows at that time. So I went up and got the GQ, and I just keep looking through GQ, and, and I was always attracted to fashion in that way, especially fashion at that time. I, I loved it a lot more than I do how it has become. But I have a great friend of mine, Dan, Daniel Lee from Burberry, he's at Burberry now. 
I love his stuff, you know. Uh, that's what I was wearing at the gala, was his uh, work that just came off the just runway like a month ago. Yeah. You know, so, you know, thanks to Daniel and, and team for doing and Shout out to Burberry, also friends of ours at the show. <laughs> good, 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 yeah. And Daniel made some great stuff when he was with Bottega and some excellent stuff with Bottega. Every year that we did the DMF, when I was involved in it, I had to wear something that was just gonna be a, a step above, you know? Yeah. So one year I had just the YSL stuff from Tom Ford. So Tom Ford did Gucci. And at that time it was all this flowery stuff that was not my thing with big legs and stuff. And then he had the YSL stuff that was, it felt more like it was based off of Japanese design. And that was my, that was my shit. So I had, you know, every day I had on a different signature YSL piece uh, during, during the festival. So, speaking of, of Germany, like with Sven, you know, Sven was kind of seen as a, in the forefront of, of fashion as well as in music from Cologne. And people, okay, the, you know, if he wore rave clothes and he had his, his uh, Buffalo platform sneakers on or whatever, you know, it was signs of the times, yeah. you know, but as time went on, he did, you know, he kept his fashion game happening. You know, so it's funny because it, he also headed towards like the Japanese design, and I think that kind of correlates with also the sound Japanese design in general. Sure. So also that you had uh, influenced by it, I think. Yeah, and uh, Ali Dubfire, he he's always, you know, got his look. You know, so it's never been in me to just wear techno clothes. You know, because. Of Muddy Waters. <laughs> Favorite Muddy Waters track. Which track shall we play? Manish Boy. Woo! Now when I was a young boy At the age of five My mother South gonna be The greatest man alive But now Past 21, I want you to believe me, baby. I have lots of fun. I'm a man. I'm heading to Detroit tomorrow to interview Omar S, a friend of yours, yeah. Top three places, your favorite spots that I need to check out and our listeners should check out. Record stores, cafes, restaurants, stores, whatever. Interesting, well, Motor City Wine is one. We do a wine every year with Motor City Wine called Detroit Love that is usually during the time of uh, the Movement Festival. So uh, Motor City Wine is great to go to. I love Lebanese food. You know, so uh, anywhere that there's good Lebanese food. And in my experience, it tastes almost exactly the same as it does in, in uh, Beirut. A friend of mine who's Lebanese, he had said how you can tell us about the tabbouleh. If tabbouleh's not done correctly, then it's not going to be good. But if tabbouleh's <laughs> done right, then you're straight. It's the yeah, it's the real deal. <laughs> I mean, I like just driving around Detroit at nighttime, you know? So going to see the desolation, finding 
things I hadn't look, looked at before, like on the way to see Omar S last time, where I met him at was I had to drive past a city airport, which I never drive past because I don't go in that direction. So it's great to see what that that is. And then a friend of mine, Ralph Jill, he's the cat from SRT. They have an SRT museum that's right near city airport where they have all of the you know the like concepts and you know limited editions and never before seen and all that stuff so that was that was really great we we went uh, me and Kenny Dixon uh, and Haji was there and Tracy was there so we we had a, a great time with Ralph there so uh, I think they're planning on actually opening that to the public at some point. Yeah, so it's, it's really quite well, it's incredible. To go slightly more intimate, what's your go-to falling in love or heartbreak song? I mean, E2E4 is a great is a great song to fuck with. You know, it's 60 minutes long and it takes you on a voyage. It's, it's great. And if you if you got the stamina to fuck for 60 minutes, it's a great. On the goes through patterns you know something like Steve Reich music for 18 musicians you know that's long and it just goes through these it it takes love on another level it's not somebody that's crooning to you and you're supposed to fall in love with the saxophone and you know like smooth operator or something it's not that it's like it's really you know you you find the wave and then you follow it and then you go with where it changes and it could be quirky and it could not be quirky but you can you know you can just enjoy um, enjoy the movement and that's how how I feel about life and love and all that to go to the sax where what is the sexiest song the sexiest would oh, be sexiest sexiest ah. sexiest not sexiest you know underground resistance nation and nations they had earth to earth and nation and nation and i think they had a soul to soul those are great you know jazz records that are great for the dance floor but but great for you know like romancing your uh somebody else's skin <laughs> <laughs> Keep it sexy, guys. Keep it sexy. Keep it sexy. <laughs>
Well, to wrap up our little chat, if your life would be a movie, and I heard you're having a little documentary coming up, yeah. what song would play in the end credits? Or what song will play in the end credits? <laughs> to make, make it easier for you, what's a, like one of your go-to closing tracks? That can change. I don't, I don't really have a go-to closing, closing track. I have just whatever the vibe is at the time. So now, you know, something that's, that's kind of quirky, was it uh, Sound Without Sound from White Noise? You know, 1969, the year I was born. You know, that would be a good end of my life track. You know, the sound is done. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you very much for being on air with us tonight. Pleasure. All right. Beyond the outside world swung left to right. Within ourselves the sun saw the night. Just bound by blue ethereality. Drifting out to my dream free. tuning in this week. If you want to listen to the full playlist, visit areweonair.com or our Spotify channel. You can also find us on Instagram and on YouTube at areweonair. And a big thank you to my wonderful team at Studio Noi. I'm Armand Nafei and I'll speak to you soon.